All right, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Well, it's uh, good to see you all. We're happy you're here. We're happy you're celebrating the first Sunday of 2022 with us. For those of you who are at home, we hope you uh, had a great New Year as well. Uh, well, we have had a little bit of a situation this week. Uh, last night, Nick, Pastor Nick let me know that uh, he had a pretty serious COVID exposure. He doesn't have COVID, but uh, it was serious enough that he felt like he shouldn't be uh, here at church today. And that was important because he was supposed to preach for us this morning. And so uh, obviously he can't do that. So uh, we are, again, we're just, we want to play it safe. Our position throughout the entire pandemic has been, uh, let's err on the side of caution. We want you to be safe. We want you to feel safe when you come here. And so we are calling a little bit of an audible this morning. Uh, but before we go on, I just want to say, please keep uh, Pastor Nick and his family in your prayers. We want them to be safe and healthy. And, you know, obviously, I'm sure you guys all have people in your lives who are being exposed. Everything is going crazy right now. So uh, just be praying for our church and for our people that everyone is safe and healthy. Well, so again, obviously our plans have changed a little bit for this morning. Uh, I know mine have. I was planning on sitting right there next to Alyssa and enjoying a nice New Year's sermon from Nick. Uh, I've never had to preach a sermon on 12 hours notice before, but here we are. We're going to do it. Can I get a hand for 12 hours? Yeah. So if today's the day where you just want to randomly clap in the sermon or give an amen, Let's do it today. Just amen, Pastor Brandon. All right. So here's the plan. We, uh, we're supposed to do a, a New Year's themed uh, sermon today. But what we're going to do instead is we're going to kind of look ahead to the series that we were going to start next Sunday. Uh, we've been planning this series for a while, a series called Visions. And that's a four-week series that uh, I'm going to be preaching through for the rest of January. And so today, you guys all get a special, exclusive sneak peek at this series. We're going to do a little bit of an introduction today, uh, just to get a feel for the world that we're going to be stepping into, to get a feel for what this series is all about. And we're really not going to dive that far into it. But I do think this will be helpful, because this series is going to be uh, challenging. Uh, it's going to be intense. There's a lot of kind of crazy stuff going on here. And so this morning will help us to prepare. It'll help us to kind of be in the right posture for the word that God has for us in this next month. So I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer because God knows I need help this morning. So would you uh, join me in prayer? God, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you that with each passing year, each passing day, your mercies are made new. They don't fade. They don't go away. They don't change. God, you are a constant. You are good. In spite of everything going on around us, we know that you're faithful. And so, God, we want to come before you in light of your mercy, your compassion, your love. We want to pray for Pastor Nick and his family. We want to pray for our entire church family, that you would keep us safe, that you would watch over us, and that you would uh, continue to be moving and working to bring us to the point where we can 
just be a church body safely here in this space. Uh, God, we pray for this morning that in light of the circumstances that you would speak, God, that you would meet us here and that you would leave us, as always, unchanged by an encounter with your word. So God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I really only want to do one thing this morning. We're going to keep things as short and simple as possible, but I want us to look at one verse from Scripture, and that verse is Ezekiel 1.1. If you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. But this is the beginning of the prophet Ezekiel's ministry of speaking God's truth to sinful, struggling Israel. And he writes, Ezekiel 1.1, In my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Uh, so as I said, the series we're beginning this morning is called Visions. And in this series, we are going to be going back to the prophets, to the prophetic books. Now, if you remember, we spent this past fall, we spent about 11 weeks looking at the ministry of the prophets in the Old Testament. And in this series, we really tried to focus on the, the big main themes of these books, uh, issues of sin and judgment, hope and restoration. And because there's so much material in the prophets, there's so much to cover, we really had to only focus on the most basic parts of these books, the passages that made things as clear and as simple as possible. And that was kind of a conscious choice that we made. I'm glad we did it. But because of that focus, one of the things that was kind of a bummer for me was that we had to skip over uh, some really good stuff, some really cool, powerful, interesting passages in the prophets. And one of the things that we didn't cover in our series was the apocalyptic visions that God shows his people through the prophets. These visions are vivid and beautiful, but they are also some of the craziest, most confusing, most misunderstood passages in all of Scripture. You have things like flaming thrones, these weird-looking creatures with four wings and four faces, multicolored giant statues, giant armies of locusts, little horns, and great beasts, to name just a few of the many visions. And all of these visions have a few things in common. They are larger than life, full of vivid imagery and mysterious symbolism. Many of them concern the future, and not just the, the near future for Israel, but the distant future, our future, the end times. And these passages, again, are, are easily misunderstood, and so they're often just avoided entirely. I can't remember the last time we talked about the end times or these kinds of visions here at CBC. But I think they are very important because they paint a picture of who God is and what he's doing in a way that's very, very memorable, that leaves a mark on us. 
So in this series for the month of January, we're going to be looking at the apocalyptic visions of the prophets. We'll talk about what they mean, and we'll even talk a little bit about uh, how they relate to some of the later visions we see in the New Testament, uh, especially the book of Revelation. And so I do think as much as, you know, preaching this morning was not my first choice, I think it is a unique opportunity for us to just kind of get our bearings. We're about to step into a crazy different world. We're about to see things that don't make sense to us. And so this morning we can just get a sense of the purpose of these visions, how we're kind of meant to read and understand them, and to consider how God wants to use these visions to speak to us and move us and transform us. So let me read our one verse again. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on here, but I think it's the perfect verse to orient us to what God is doing and the world, world we're going to step into. So Ezekiel 1.1, In my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Now next week we're going to talk about what exactly Ezekiel sees. Uh, and just a little spoiler, is these visions of these great angelic beings and the throne of God. Uh, this image is both beautiful and terrifying. If you want to, if you have time, I'd really encourage you to read the rest of Ezekiel 1 this week. And there's going to be a lot of things that you don't understand, a lot of things that don't make sense. But just get a feel for the landscape and pay attention especially to how you feel. How this imagery makes you feel. Before today, I want to draw our attention to just uh, a few simple ideas. And the first is that the apocalyptic visions are a revelation of some divine reality. So before we get into this vision, before Ezekiel tells us what he sees, we get this important detail. He says that the heavens were opened. Now this could mean a couple of things, given kind of the language that's using here. First, it could just be kind of a, a literal term for it starting to rain. You know, this is a, a phrase that we still use. The heavens opened and, and the downpour began. But that clearly doesn't seem to be the case because it doesn't start raining. The second thing it could mean is that in some sense, the invisible barrier between earth and heaven had been parted. And the vision that Ezekiel was going to see was specifically a picture of something from beyond this barrier, something from the heavenly realm. Ezekiel was going to see something that we normally cannot see, some divine reality. And that's what we find here in Ezekiel, and that's something that we see in all of the apocalyptic visions of Scripture. That it's not just kind of an idea these guys have. It's not just kind of a vision of something that might happen or some earthly reality, that it is a vision of something that is divine. God's perspective. And this reveals kind of the true nature of these visions the purpose of them, that God is revealing a new way of seeing things, a new way of viewing our lives and our world in light of a divine reality. 
And the word apocalypse, which is a word that we're going to use here and there, it literally means to reveal or uncover. It's taking something that's hidden and bringing it to light. Now, I think this is important uh, for us to consider because oftentimes, I think when we think about these kinds of visions, when we think about the word apocalypse, when we think about the end times, we think about these future cataclysmic events, things like the rapture, the second coming. Actually, if you're like me, when you hear the word apocalypse, you probably think of the powerful X-Men villain. Not him. There we go. 90s cartoon. This is the wrong audience for that. But if you know, I will never not think of this image when I hear the word apocalypse. But in church, for most people, when they hear that phrase, when you hear the term apocalypse, you think of the end times. You think of these things that are going to happen. And we often get stuck trying to make sense of the future. So we read the book of Revelation. We read these apocalyptic visions. We see these images of things that God says are going to happen. And the focus becomes on how do we kind of figure out all these events. It kind of becomes like a little bit of a puzzle to solve. What does this symbol mean? Who is this character supposed to be? Who's the Antichrist? When is the rapture happening? What's the millennium? What's going to happen? What's the mark of the beast? Now, don't get me wrong. Many of these visions do concern the future. And there is a time and a place to address some of those questions. But the larger purpose of these visions in Scripture it's not to figure everything out, not to work out all the little details, but it is the revelation of this divine reality. Once again, to see the world, to see life through the lens of this truth that God reveals to us, this reality that we often can't see. And this is important because the divine reality is often so different from what we can actually see from the world around us. God's vision and our vision are often very different. And that brings us to our, our second point for this morning, that the apocalyptic visions speak into the real-life challenges of God's people. Now, another important detail from our one verse is that Ezekiel tells us exactly where he is and when He's there when he sees this vision. And he tells us that he's in Babylon. He is among the exiles. Now, hopefully you remember this from the prophet series, but the exile was this horrible, tragic moment in Israel's history. Their nation was defeated, and so most or many of their people were taken from their homes into captivity to live in this foreign land, thousands of miles from Israel. And Ezekiel is among them. Ezekiel is one of the people who was taken into exile in Babylon. And so at the moment this vision takes place, he is experiencing this tragedy firsthand. He's probably a little bit homesick, and he's definitely heartbroken over the situation for his people. Their sin, their brokenness, and now their captivity in Babylon. 
He's also surrounded by people who are probably wondering about God's power and faithfulness. They're wondering, why are we in exile? What is God doing? Where is he? How could he let this happen? And so everything that Ezekiel can see with his own eyes, everything he can hear with his ears, everything he is experiencing with all of his senses is deeply troubling. And it's at odds with what he knows about who God is and what he knows about God's promises. And so at the heart of these apocalyptic visions is this contrast. Here is what you can see. Here's what's in front of you. Here are the events going on in your life, both good and bad. Here's what we can perceive in our world. But then here is what God wants to show us. Here is the reality that God wants us to see over and above this earthly reality. Here's what's happening in heaven. Here's what's happening behind the scenes. Here's how God is working throughout time and space and history to sovereignly work for your good, to sovereignly work for redemption and restoration. And the point of this contrast between what we see and experience and what God is saying is true is not to say that our lives aren't real or that our lives aren't meaningful. It's not to say that the challenges we face aren't significant. And we shouldn't just turn a blind eye to all our problems and live with a pie-in-the-sky mentality and just say, everything's okay, because God says so. But the point is to recognize that all of this what we can see, what we can experience, what we can feel, it doesn't define who God is. And it doesn't define what God is doing. We can't necessarily look at the world around us and understand God's sovereign plan, God's unrelenting goodness, God's unfailing mercy. The point is that what we see in the world around us, we have to interpret in light of the larger reality, not the other way around. God is showing us this so that we can understand our world and our lives in light of this truer vision. Uh, Stephen Cook, an author who writes about the apocalyptic liter literature, says this about these visions. It is intended to interpret our present earthly circumstances in light of the supernatural world and of the future, and to influence both the understanding and the behavior of the audience by means of divine authority. So these visions, it's not about kind of pulling them apart at like the Da Vinci Code and trying to figure everything out, but there's a larger picture that God is painting who he is and what he's doing. And he says, take this picture, burn it into your mind, into your senses, place it deep down in your heart, and everything in your life, everything that you experience gets filtered through that picture first. That is the power of these visions. And when we get into them, you're going to see they are 
unforgettable. And if you can hold on to them and remember what they mean, remember this greater divine reality, it will change the way you see everything else around you. Change the way you see Babylon, the exile, the Kabar River, COVID, your family, your job. All of those things exist only in subordination to this larger vision. And so our final idea for this morning is this. The apocalyptic visions are an invitation for us to trust in what God says is real. The main thing God wants us to do when he gives us these visions is to consider how we're going to respond to the challenges we face. There is a reason why these visions always take place in parts of Scripture where God's people are going to encounter something really hard. It's always, hey, this bad thing is going to happen or it's going to happen or it's happening. Here's the divine reality. Because God wants us to know how to respond when these bad things happen. These visions ultimately are meant to provide hope to people who are struggling and faith to people who are having a hard time trusting God. If we get anything out of this series, if we get anything out of these visions, let it be hope and faith. I think this is such an awesome invitation. Because again, we, we all have our own lives, our own challenges. We all have what we can see, and it's hard. We do. doesn't matter how much we love God, no matter how much we trust God, it doesn't change the reality that there is brokenness, that there is sin, that there is struggle. It doesn't change the fact that we want to live with hope and faith and joy and trust in the midst of all of that hardship. And so to do that, we need to be able to see and understand and live according to God's vision for our world, for what's real. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at four visions that will shape our understanding of life, of faith, of history, of time. We'll look at a vision of true authority, a vision of suffering and judgment, a vision of the battle between good and evil, and finally, a vision of our future hope and the reality of heaven. These are big topics, hard topics. And it's easy to accept what we think we know, but God is inviting us to ask the question, will I look beyond what I can see? Will I look beyond what's right in front of me and be open to what God wants to show me? So I'm really excited for uh, this series. Uh, some of the stuff that, as I've studied it over time, has honestly been some of the most transformative parts of Scripture in my life. And I genuinely believe that as hard as it is, as challenging as it is, as confusing as it can be, there's a reason that it's in Scripture. And it's for us to enjoy, for us to pursue faith uh, and hope. So let's pray together.